When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dallas Cowboys star pass rusher Micah Parsons put the NFL on blast. And on Thursday night, he might get an opportunity to take revenge on the Seahawks. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Prime Time. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez. Streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Welcome on this fun Thursday night. Let's talk some Cowboys football. Uh, The script will go something like this for tonight's show. First and foremost, we're going to start with Micah calling out the NFL for the lack of flags called his way. We're going to look at some of his tweets. We're going to talk about the whole situation on the NFL officiating and how controversial it's been over the last few weeks, especially for Dallas. But mostly what I want to get to is one particular injury for this Cowboys-Seahawks matchup that I believe might be the most important injury situation to monitor entering Thursday night football of week 13. Uh, I know Cowboys fans might be concerned about Jaron Kears. They might be concerned about uh, some of the Cowboys, you know, side of things, injuries, but there's one injury that's more important than all of, the, of those, and that's on the Seattle side. We're going to talk about that and how it can be huge for the matchup. Uh, later on the show, we'll talk about Shaquille Leonard. He is reportedly visiting the Cowboys on Tuesday, and I'm going to talk about three reasons why the Cowboys should sign the three-time first-team All-Pro. And last but not least, we are going to go through overreaction Monday. We've got three statements for tonight uh, that we're going to go through when we get to that segment. Before we do any of that, though, let me say hi in the chat. We've got Toxic. We've got Mark, Gregory, Tyler, uh, Peter Rizzo, shout out to Mark, Aaron, uh, and uh, Katharina, Daniel also joining the show. Gregory says, Mo, this was a good article yesterday. And I think he actually means the one that we're going to discuss tonight, which is Micah Parsons talking about the holding calls. I appreciate you checking out uh, adzsports.com. And by the way, shout out Tyler, who is in the chat, who also put some articles for us up there on the website. Appreciate him and what he does for the site. Let's get to it here on the show. For those of you who missed it, for those of you who maybe are not on Twitter, you are not on X, if you want to call it like that, uh, Micah went public with his allegations against NFL officiating. Now, forgive me if that sounds too dramatic, but you got to love when NFL players stop and cut the BS and start talking about what's really going down there on the field. 
you guys know that here on ADC Sports, I know that Sky is the same way as I am in this sense. Officiating, man, we can complain about it for a thousand years. And then the next thousand years that follows uh, in human history, people will still complain about officiating in sports. It's terrible whether you're watching NFL football, whether you're watching college football, the NBA, football, uh, you know, soccer football, uh, whatever is going on that you're watching, you're likely going to complain about officiating. So I've gotten to a point where I make it a point to not really talk about it a whole lot on the show or write about it on my articles. I want to push it aside as much as I can. But when things like Thanksgiving's game where the commanders are clearly, consistently holding Micah and there's not a single flag thrown in favor of number 11, and then you see some of these other NFL games, and you see some of the same officiating uh, mistakes happening, it's frustrating. And I understand what my, why Micah would go out there and tweet this out. Uh, Chris Holling put on social media some video of Micah being held by Washington, and he made his point about how it was infuriating was the word that he used about how Parsons continues to be mauled at the line of scrimmage and the league officials continue to let it go unpunished. This was Micah's tweet responding to that. And he said, I heard the ball was out all game. I really don't think they ever seen someone win at the same speed rate. So they don't quite understand. Honestly, this is the difference between one and a half and three sacks uh, this game. He was talking about the commander's game on that tweet. He followed that one up. Responding to the legend, John Owning, with it is an offensive league and it would be boring for the viewership if they called 10 holdings. Man, that's as direct of a shot that you're going to see from an NFL player at NFL officiating. Maybe he's not calling the Severus names. Maybe he's not being, you know, uh, maybe he's not dropping F-bombs on there. But this is Micah basically putting out there on social media like, hey, this is the reason why people are not going to be calling holdings against me because they don't want to call 10 holdings in a single game. And you know what? I believe that's a little bit of a very mature way of looking at it. I think that Parsons at this point has really reached the rarefied air where he can count on three things every time that he takes on the field and he tries to get after the quarterback. He can count on three different things. Number one, an extremely high rate of double teams. That's what Micah is seeing every single week. Nobody's doubled as much as he and Miles Garrett are in the NFL. Because it's always them two at the top of the double team rankings that you can find on ESPN. Number two thing that Micah can count on is blockers consistently reaching for his jersey, which is what we're talking about here tonight. And number three, referees not calling it every time. It's the way that the game goes, unfortunately. I think that if you look at most of the top-tier players of, the, of this age, defensively speaking, I'm talking about Miles Garrett. I'm talking about Aaron Donald and probably not anyone else. Because even TJ Watt, I don't know if I would include in this combo, just because TJ mostly does not get double teamed as much as these guys do. So I would just say, 
man, we are at a point where we better get used to it. Because I think it is much more likelier for the NFL to continue calling the plays that involve Micah the way that they have, which is basically not calling them at all, than they are changing their way of approaching it because of Micah's tweets. Let me know if you guys agree or disagree with that. But it does feel like that is the world where Micah is going to live in uh, for a long time if he keeps playing at this level. There is some truth that, hey, you're not going to see 10 holdings on a single game. And we would hate it if that would happen as fans, as objective, unbiased fans. We would hate seeing 10 holding calls in the same football game. And there is an argument to be made that, hey, if you watch the tape and if you put on any game, any film, you're going to be able to spot multiple holding calls that are not called. And it's probably because of that. Uh, because many times, maybe referees are at a point where they are only calling the egregious ones. Uh, whether that is right or wrong, we can debate another day. But this is likely the world that Micah is going to be living in uh, moving forward for a good chunk of time. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Toxic says, the only way you get that kind of accuracy is with technology. Just like baseball, you need the human element. And there's this book called Scorecasting that I absolutely love. I feel like I mention that pretty often here on the show. Scorecasting, great book. Great Christmas gift idea, actually. If you guys are thinking of Christmas gifts for the holiday season. Uh, and in there, the authors basically outline that an umpire is likelier to call a strike on an outside ball when an all-star slugger is in the box than they are against an average batter. So maybe that's kind of like a human bias element of it, uh, maybe along the lines of what Toxic is suggesting here, but maybe on the, like, with a contrary effect. So in baseball, there's an all-star batter in the box, and maybe the umpire is like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to call a ball what should have been called a strike, for example, and, you know, vice versa. But in football, it might seem like it has the negative effect where since you are great at what you do, maybe I'm going to subconsciously or maybe consciously let a lot of these holding calls go unnoticed or uncalled. Let's see what you guys have to say here in the chat. Uh, Tommy says, Micah is not saying anything that is not true, but I feel like he's just going to make it worse by calling them out. I can see the petty refs missing more calls because of it and the NFL needs to step in. Another thing that I believe Cowboys Nation will not bank on is exactly that, right? I don't think the NFL is going to be meeting over this uh, anytime soon, and we probably should not get our hopes uh, up with that. AL says that horse collar on Josh Allen was an atrocious non-call. Man, I wrote about 800 words today on this for ADZ Sports Buffalo because I had some feelings about some weird stuff that happened with that play. I'm going to open up a parenthesis here, and I'm about to go on a rant. I don't know if you guys read this story because he didn't have anything to do with the Cowboys, so a lot of people might have missed it. But for those of you who watched the game, you do know what play we're talking about. There's a play where Hassan Reddick brings down Josh Allen by pulling him down from his jersey on the front and that isn't a call because he's not grabbing the horse collar there. But from behind, it does totally look like he has his hand in the horse collar and he's bringing him down. 
There's no flag on the play for that. Well, there is a flag for intentional grounding on a play where Gabe Davis was absolutely in the area as the check down on the keeper concept, which is basically like three receivers at three different levels because uh, it's kind of like a flawed concept. But there's a call for intentional grounding and Buffalo would have been better off taking the sack than throwing the football and having it be an intentional grounding. However, Hassan Reddick and, and Josh Schwett took a very weird stance on this. And this is an actual quote from Josh Sweat. I am going to skip the F-bombs, which there are many of. But Josh Sweat said, that is some BS, and he did it on purpose. The F-dude literally begged the officials for intentional grounding, meaning Josh Allen, to not effing take a sack. He effing begged for intentional grounding just to not give us a sack. I have been mind blown by this comment all day long because by the way uh Hassan Reddick also said they you know that that was the case that he uh, was loving for an intentional grounding that doesn't make any sort of sense because on video he sure as heck doesn't seem to be loving for intentional grounding which would not benefit the Bills in the slightest basically what Reddick and Sweat are suggesting is that Allen was petty enough to lobby for an intentional grounding just to take a sack away from them in the statute. However, as soon as Josh Allen stands up after the play, he points at Gabe Davis, basically explaining it was not intentional grounding because he was right there. And, you know, he's immediately fighting the intentional grounding as opposed to be lobbying for it, as the Eagles suggested. Plus, when he goes close to the referee, he's like doing this gesture, kind of like pulling his jersey down suggesting that he's calling for the horse collar. So, man, all respect to the Eagles because they're 10-1 and one and they do deserve respect for what they've done and they got the job done when the Bills didn't. And, you know, you could say that about the Chiefs game. You could say that about the Cowboys game. So they do deserve a lot of respect. But all I'm saying is why would they make up such a pathetic story about Josh Allen after getting their 10th win of the season it was so weird to me and i wrote about it you can find it on adcsports.com slash buffalo the title of the article is actually like bills eagles are making up a pathetic josh allen story that makes no sense it was so weird i just wanted to vent and now the rant is over i'm sorry about that we can continue with the cowboys conversation um mark aaron says by the way the eagles are 4-0 with those refs under that eight-hole of a head coach. Uh, DJ Dog says, the players get fined if they are a critical. If they are critical of the refs, it would be great if PFF had a show on the NFL refs and grade them like they do the players. Someone needs to hold the referees accountable. Uh, how would you hold them accountable, says Toxic Tom. They are unionized and have a collective bargaining agreement. Those are complicated conversations. Uh, I do think, man... It's sports, and we're going to continue to see uh, stuff like this take place for the end of times, honestly. <laughs> and I do agree that, you know, you do need an, a human element. Uh, you're not going to see robots take over football or something like that. I don't know about umpires. They might take over umpires with the way uh, baseball is trending. So I wouldn't rule that out. Having said all that, 
And we all agree that, hey, Micah is, should be getting some of these calls go his way. And that is the thing. I don't think any one of us is thinking, hey, let's have the referees call every single time, every single play that Micah is held. But just don't make it zero calls in two games when he's been clearly held in those two games. <clears throat> it doesn't make a lot of sense that Osa has drawn four holding calls and Dante Fowler has drawn three holding calls. It makes no sense when you look at those numbers and then you look at Micah and you see that he has drawn two holding penalties. And by the way, shout out to Dallas Morning News who actually charted every holding call against or in favor of the Cowboys defense and they posted an article about it. Uh, shout out to Michael Gelkin, Dallas Morning News. They do a tremendous job there covering the Cowboys. As always, just wanted to toss that out. Uh, zero holding calls in the last five games. Pretty ridiculous. It's about balance. I understand not wanting to pause the game as frequently, but I don't think you can look at us in the eye and be like, yeah, nobody has held Micah Parsons, one of the leading candidates for defensive player of the year, and an absolute menace on the playing field. Nobody has held him over the last five games. That is just ridiculous. It's it's outrageous, preposterous, you know, like Jack Chillis would say on uh on Seinfeld. Let's move on here a little bit to the next topic, though, and it directly relates to Micah Parsons and maybe him taking it out on the Seahawks on the Thursday night football. There is an injury that a Cowboys fan should be monitoring very closely. And I and it's not a Cowboys. Not a Cowboys, uh, not a Cowboys injury, by the way. Because Jaron Kears is probably the one that people are in the lookout for. And I'm actually opening the injury report right now for this week. Uh Rico Dowdle was limited. You had Dante Fowler off for an illness. You had Zach Martin and Tyron Smith taking the day off as veterans. Tyrus Wet not practicing with a concussion. That was kind of like a surprise there, maybe. Jaron Kears was limited. There's really, I don't think, anyone that we should be concerned about with a Cowboys injury report. Uh, Peyton Hendershot is also fully practicing still. Uh, he might be activated off of IR pretty soon. But with the Seahawks, and they have not uploaded, I believe, their official injury report for today. But the Seahawks have Abraham Lucas trying to fight back into the roster to play against the Cowboys on Thursday night football. Now, why should Cowboys fans care about Abe Lucas? Because that was supposed to be their starting right tackle this season. But he has been away for a long time. Basically, he's been banked up since week one. And the wait for him to return has been a long one for Seahawks fans. They actually added Jason Peters in large part because of that injury. And they are, they are the team that has allowed the most pressures percentage-wise from the right tackle spot. That means their weak spot is their right tackle. 38% of the pressures that they allow, and keep in mind, this is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL they're bottom a bottom 12 unit in many rankings. 38% of the pressures that they allow come from the right tackle versus the San Francisco 49ers, who is maybe one of the best comparisons or comparables that you can find for the Cowboys pass rush. They allowed, uh, they allowed a 
heck of, of a lot of tons uh, of pressures, excuse me. But Stone Forsight, who is a right tackle that played 26 plus pass blocking snaps, allowed five pressures at right tackle. And Jason Peters played another 12 pass blocking snaps at right tackle, and he allowed three pressures, plus he was called for a penalty. Eight pressures from the right tackle spot in a single game. That's comparable to Terrence Steele allowing 12 against the Eagles. Now, I know the 12 is it's much worse, but you know what I'm saying right here. Josh Allen for the Jaguars had 12 pressures against the Buffalo, uh, excuse me, against the Houston Texans, and it was like an insane game from him. So that is a spot that could really break the game for the Seahawks in favor of the Cowboys. Micah teeing off against one of these backup right tackles could really cause some trouble for Gina Smith and company, just like the Niners cost for him last Thursday night because, you know, they played the 49ers on Thanksgiving. They're also on the same schedule as Dallas with a full week between two Thursdays. All I'm saying is that is the injury that if Abe Lucas returns, maybe the game looks a little bit different. Not that that would make the Seahawks favorites or anything like that, because obviously that wouldn't happen. But Abe Lucas is the top name that you're watching out for on the reports leading up to the game. He was limited in practice. He tried to get back before Thanksgiving, but he wasn't able to. He might be trending towards returning, but if he doesn't, that is the one injury update that a Cowboys Nation should be looking out for because that would make, that would break the game for Seattle if he isn't able to return, in my opinion. Uh, by the way, Gino under pressure against the Niners last week, 47% of the snaps. That is a very high mark to be under pressure. That is comparable to some of the best Cowboys games that we've seen pass rush-wise. Like, for example, against the New York Giants, they've approached 50% and stuff. 47% of his snaps, he was under pressure. He threw for zero big-time throws in those situations, and he passed for three turnover-worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus. So, hey, Gino might not be ready to deal with the Cowboys' pass rush. He's going to say that. However... Shout out, Gino, for working the pocket relatively well. Definitely wouldn't put him as one of the best QBs in that area. But he does a better job than some of the QBs that the Cowboys have faced recently where they maybe panic very quickly with the pass rush. So just let, let's be on the lookout for that. Uh, AL says, I think we can take the Seahawks by 10 to 13 points. Can you believe... And many of you won't believe if you have watched this show for a long time. I'm actually not aware of what the betting spread is. I'm actually opening it up, opening it up right now. The Cowboys are nine-point favorites, so, so that kind of makes a lot of sense, Al. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, nine-point favorites over under is at 46, which is very standard. I'm 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 not surprised that the betting spread is so high. The Cowboys are covering pretty much. Every betting spread that's for, that oddsmakers throw their way wouldn't be surprised if that happens again on Thursday. I don't know what my bet is going to be yet, though, for Wednesday because we're not seeing each other on Thursday because we've got the night game. But on Wednesday, we have the preview show, and I'm going to be making my bet of the week. Eight and two for the season so far. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty proud of that, Mark. 
Actually, not uh, eight and two. It's uh, nine and two. Yeah, because the Cowboys just played already on. Uh, yeah, is it nine and two? Yeah, we were eight and two. That's the graphic from last Thursday. Sorry. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here and let's talk about what Tuesday could bring for the Cowboys. Because if you know, Shaquille Leonard is going to be visiting the Cowboys as a free agent. The Indianapolis Colts waived the three-time first-team All-Pro linebacker in a surprise move. Many people were not aware of the situation that was ensuing in Indianapolis where Shaquille was basically being benched in passing situations by the Colts. He didn't ask for his release. Seemed to be one of the things that Shaq has clarified since the news broke. But he is now available, cleared waivers potentially because of a hefty price tag that would have cost teams that claimed him uh, $6 million. So he is now a free agent, free to sign with whoever he wants to sign. And I don't know about you, but I just want to say this. When we heard Mike McCarthy talk, sure seemed like the Cowboys wanted Shaquille Leonard. You know, Mike was like, yeah, there's a lot of interest. Jerry Jones was asked about it. Seemed like there was interest, but it always seems like there's interest when it comes to Jerry. So I wouldn't make too much out of that. I would make too much out of the Mike McCarthy comments. Insiders around Dallas, you know, they've been tweeting and writing as, you know, optimistic people that it's going to take place. And I'm going to show you a picture right now. This was Micah Parsons on his live stream earlier today. That is a Shaquille Leonard jersey. On the background, you know, he has a DK medical one in there. I think that's a Jahan Dotson one, you know, Penn State, Nidane Lion. But then there's a Shaquille Leonard one in there, and that caught everyone's eyes. You know, Shaquille Leonard. Do you think from 1 to 10, how likely are the Cowboys to sign Leonard when he visits tomorrow? Uh, reports have been that he's going to take some time. Who knows? You know, a visit can really ramp up any process. I'm going to give you three reasons, though, why I believe the Cowboys should sign Shaquille Leonard and three reasons why I believe it's going to end up happening. Number one is the most obvious of them all, and that is depth, right? The Cowboys have no depth at linebacker. Heck. I'm not even sure if they have a complete starting set of linebackers because may I remind you that Marquise Bell is a safety playing linebacker. Is he doing it well? Is he exceeding expectations? Sure, he is, but he wasn't supposed to be playing that position. So it goes to show you just how much lack, the, the how much depth the team is lacking. That's num reason number one. That is the easiest one. That's the one that everyone knows about. Number two, speaking of Marquise Bell and him being an undersized backer, I'm not sure that Dallas is extremely confident with its run defense yet. Top 10 in EPA, and maybe that has a lot to do with some tackles for losses here and there, but they are number 30 in the NFL in rush success rate, defensively speaking. And the two teams that, Cowboys, that the Cowboys should care about right now are the Eagles, are the 49ers, because they're likely to face them in the playoffs. If they are to go on a Super Bowl run, you got to stop the run. 
Because if you look at the Cowboys, man, and they go up on a scoreboard, they can beat anybody. They can beat the best NFL team in the planet. But against the Niners, against the Eagles, it's kind of tough to get ahead on the scoreboard that easily because they can run on you. Number 30 in success rate defensively is still no good. That is the biggest reason why you should be concerned about the 2023 Cowboys. If we're being honest, does Dallas, excuse me, believe that Shaq Leonard can help out in that area? Because we heard about Destin Adams, the Colts insider for ADC Sports. We heard about him talking about Shaq being unplayable, but he specified versus the pass. Could it be different with Shaq if he can, you know, enter those early down uh, packages against the opponents and, hey, make an impact and not only be a depth player, maybe he can be a plug-and-play defender in certain situations. If Dallas believes so, then it shouldn't be a, then it should be, excuse me, a no-brainer. That's the number two reason. Now, number three is that not only should you be interested in him, probably, but the Eagles are interested in him. Can you keep somebody from joining Philly? Uh, and that's according to reports. Who knows exactly how true it is, uh, but a lot of people have reported on it. I think Justina Anderson was one of them. Uh, some people have reported that, yeah, the Eagles are also interested in adding Leonard. If you're the Cowboys and you know that, and you have the visit scheduled for Tuesday, do you allow the three-time first-team All-Pro to walk out of the building? One would say probably not, man. Probably not. Um, I'm starting to get the feeling that, hey, man, Chuck Chuck could very likely sign tomorrow just based on what we just talked about and what we've heard from the Cowboys themselves and what we've seen even from Micah's live stream. That that seems like uh, uh, some signals sent our way. Now, I don't disagree. I don't agree, excuse me, with what Toxic is saying here. Mo, we did this last year with OBJ. I like the comparison. I don't think this is the same type of deal. OBJ was not playing that year. OBJ, remember that. If OBJ was ready to go, health-wise, I'm still not doubting that the Cowboys would have signed them. Uh, I think that was a very different situation that we were dealing with last year. Because, you know, the Cowboys were not the only team to flirt with OBJ that didn't end up signing him afterward, right? I think it's different from that sense. I think that the Cowboys wanted to make the OBJ thing work for that year specifically, but it ended up being a whole different situation with his health. So, plus, you know, Chak is very different in the sense that OBJ was maybe a little bit more of a splash signing. Maybe he would have been one of the most expensive wideouts in the NFL, but he was not going to be a chip contract. And I can guarantee you that Chak is going to be that. Chak is going to be the low-risk bet that the Cowboys are always going to, you know, chump the bit for like they 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 love those low risk high reward bets and this is the kind of world that they love to live on i've talked about this before big signings flash signings not the cowboys way but if you're talking about a big name at a low price oh they're they're likely gonna be in on it and hey that's why they're hosting him tomorrow 
8.7, says Gregory. Katharina goes with the 7 in confidence level to sign. Shaquille Leonard. Pudorizo goes with the 8. Mark Heron says, you mean look at the tape, Jalen Smith? Hey, man. Jalen, bro. That was hilarious. I still laugh about that to this day. Uh, he was waived recently by the Raiders. He, he was signed to the Raiders and then waived immediately. Micah sending a bad signal, says Al. Let's see here. Um, man, I, I was missing a comment around there. How says, I heard, uh, excuse me. I heard Leonard wasn't what he used to be before an injury. I can only equate that to Jalen, says House Nelson. I don't, uh, you know, sometimes our minds, our brains like to take these kind of shortcuts. I wouldn't, you know, the Jalen Smith thing was very different, was a very different type of knee injury. I'm not saying that Chuck is going to be great or he's going to work back to his old self. And Cowboys Nation would be smart to not expect an old pro linebacker. Cowboys Nation should be expecting a decent, solid linebacker that can be a part of your rotation, mostly as a backup, maybe. Uh, I think that's the smart expectation to have going into this whole thing. Do not expect Chuck to be an old pro linebacker because he's not that right now. I think the tape does not lie. And based on what we've heard from Colts, people, uh, everyone kind of is on the same boat of, hey, yeah, Chuck is not the same guy as before. He doesn't have to be. is a good thing. And the Colts, sure, waived him. But they waived a guy that was owed $6 million. Cowboys are not going to do that, right? Cowboys are going to pay him much less. So overall, I think it could happen. I think it's likely to happen at this point based on what we've seen. Uh, consider me excited about that. However, consider me very skeptical about the impact that he can really have on the team. I wouldn't expect the old pro linebacker. Expect the depth rotational guy. That's the way to go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, let's get to overreaction Monday. And as always, here's how it works. I'm going to give you three statements, and you're going to say for each of those if it's an overreaction or a fair reaction. I'm going to kick us off with Cowboys, and then we're going to move on to two other NFL teams. They're actually AFC teams, which is interesting, but the Cowboys. You look at the Eagles, and maybe they're not being dominant. They're getting the wins, but not in a dominant way. You look at the Niners, they're still scary. But you look at the Cowboys, they're all in on the passing game. Overreaction or fair reaction, the Cowboys can be a 3-0 road Super Bowl team. Can they go on the playoffs and do the same that the Giants did in 2007? Can they do the same as the Packers did in 2010? Can they do the same as the Tampa Bay Bucks did in 2020? Overreaction or fair reaction? Let me know in the chat. And consider that they could be playing the Falcons or the Saints in their wildcard round. And they could be facing somebody like the Detroit Lions maybe in the, in the divisional round. And <laughs> some of those comments. Fair reaction for Mark Aaron. Fair reaction for Katharina. I think it's a fair reaction as well. I wouldn't make them the favorites to win the Super Bowl or anything like that. 
and it's very rare. But man, I do think that the NFC is a little bit weakened. I do think the wildcard round is going to be a gimme for Dallas. I'm confident in that. So I've seen the Cowboys show up against these lesser opponents. I think they would do that in the wildcard round. And we also saw them do it last year. So I'm banking on that. Divisional round, I would make them the favorites against the Detroit Lions. If that's, the, if that's them, I can see them beating the Eagles. I doubt about I have doubts about the Niners. But yeah, I'm going to go with fair reaction for that one. Toxic says that's tough. I'll say overreaction because it is not very common. We're going to the chip mouses, Tyler. So I'm going to take that as fair. Holly goes with fair AF. We can beat these guys as Gregory. Peter goes with fair reaction. Ladies and gentlemen, I think most of the chat is going with fair reaction. Let's get to the second statement of the night. And that is going to be the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills at 6 and 6 are out. They're done. They're through. They're not making the postseason. Six and six out of the playoffs if they started today. And man, let me read you the schedule very quickly here because they still get the Chiefs after the bye week. Then they get Dallas. Then they get the Chargers. Then they get the Patriots easy. And then they get the Dolphins to close out the season. Fair reaction or overreaction. The Dolphins are done. Happy birthday. Hey, thank you to Mark and to Tiger. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Toxic says overreaction. The AFC is wide open. Strong statement right there for Toxic. Mark Aaron goes with overreaction as well. Man, it's a tough one. I'm not sure what to do with this one. Overreaction for Katharina. Man, I'm going to go. <laughs> Gregory goes with the overreaction as well. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with fair reaction. I'm going to go with fair reaction. Hear me out. They can still make it. They can still find their way into the playoffs. But right now, I think it's more likely that they miss it than that they make it. So because of that, I'm going with fair reaction for this one. I think that the Bills might really be out now. I think they needed to win against against uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Last but not least, C.J. Stroud. Have you seen C.J. Stroud play? He's, he's legit. He's as legit as they come. I've already asked this one before, but I'm going to ask it again because we've seen more of that. C.J. Stroud is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, even as a rookie. Let me know in the chat. Overreaction or fair reaction? I actually wrote down 10 QB names here in my notebook to kind of get an idea of this conversation. It was a very close call. CJ Stroud is out there maneuvering the pocket as if he was a 10-year bet. CJ Stroud is attacking the deep portion of the field with extreme confidence. He's scrambling. He's doing this. He's doing that. Stroud is so, so legit that I have no doubt that very soon he could be in the mainstream conversation for top 10 quarterback. I'm going to go with slight, very slight overreaction. I'm going to tell you why. I want to see more from him, 
obviously, we're not even a year into his career. But slight because I kind of listed these QBs in my notebook. And boy, if he's an 11, he's 12. <laughs> so he's pretty damn close to cracking my top 10 QB list right now. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say about that one. Uh, fair reaction for Gregory. Overreaction for Katharina. Tyler says close, but it is fair. Hollis is overreaction. Toxic says over. He hasn't even finished a year. Need more than a string of games to say you are top 10. Over for Marek Aaron and Peter Rizos is fair, but very close. Uh, these are not in order. These are not in order because I kind of just went through some standings and kind of like listed some of these guys. Uh, but some of the guys that I wrote down on my list that I would put above Stroud still, Jalen Hurts, again, not in order, so don't panic. Dak Prescott, who I'd actually rank above Jalen. Lawrence, yes, I would put Lawrence still over CJ. Uh, Joe Burrow, I know he's injured, but he's still on my list. Josh Allen, Lamar, Herbert, Mahomes. I would put Tua above CJ. That was one of the toughest calls for me. But, man, after those, I'm not sure how many I would put below uh, CJ at this point. Like, I would think about ranking CJ above Kirk, maybe. And I know Kirk is very controversial and tough to figure out. Uh, but, you know, it's difficult to make that call. They're close. I, I could see Kirk being better than CJ on my rankings. Uh, just because, but, but here's the thing. A lot of that would be the time. Like, I've seen Kirk Cousins be a very solid QB in the league for a long time. And with CJ, I've just seen him do it for a very, very short period of time. Uh, maybe if CJ keeps it up, like, I would absolutely have CJ. Like, this version of CJ, yeah, I would take it above above uh, Cousins. Two more says Cam, so he would have two more. Above CJ, Lawrence on another level, and two us is Al. He's on IR, says Mark, talking about, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins. He is. Pesky says Colin Kaepernick looked good for a season. And yep, he did. That is true. That is part of the reason why we are in this situation where, hey, let's let's watch it for a little bit more. Gregory says Stroud is better than Herbert. I, I would not dare make that statement just yet uh Herbert to me is probably top five right now man or Herbert is legit I I strongly believe that Justin Herbert is top five right now I think man I'm not even sure about that one but I'm gonna say yeah he's, he's top five now I saw one or with the Colin stuff I know but also you know the 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 old 22 and and you watch not even all 22, but like you watch the individual QB play from CJ. I think he's better than Colin ever was as a QB. And Colin was fun. I enjoyed watching him a whole lot. I think that he was, you know, they did him wrong. He should be in the league even as a backup. But I, I think uh, he was more fun than a solidified franchise QB. I don't think he's better than Herbert's is toxic. Oh, no, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And Pesky says Herbert can't win. I think that's where it gets tricky. And a lot of people will go based on what the Chargers are going through right now. But Herbert 
has been great, man. You cannot blame what's been happening with the Chargers on, on Herbert. Oh, Pesky actually admitted that that's a joke. Oh, no, but that was... Uh, no, I think he's talking about Kaepernick. Yeah, sorry about that. So, yeah, CJ pretty close, though, for me. Pretty close. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoyed the show. Uh, remember that we are live every Sunday through Thursday night here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'll see you next why am I saying next if I'm going to see you tomorrow? I'm going to see you next Tuesday, technically, a.k.a. tomorrow. Thank you so much, and I'll see you uh, el día de mañana. Bye-bye.